Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Songcraft Breaking It Down. This week we have a special guest in Edmondo who joins us once again after being one of the co-hosts on the first season. Um, Ed has brought us another gem of a song, we'll decide. Um, Ed has chosen the song Anesthetize by Porcupine Tree. Ed, why did you choose this song? Well, that is a good question. Um, I like songs like this. Um, I'd like to give a few examples. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for permission to provide examples. We don't don't, don't Um, usually have to ask, but seeing that you did. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll, you'll find I'll ask quite a lot of stuff. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> uh, Paranoid Android is two examples of songs that um, have different parts to them unrelated to their previous parts, as in maybe in a slightly different key, uh, different chord sequence, um, but they are all one song. Um This anaesthetize is probably the extreme version of this because it lasts for uh, a long time. (laughs) 15 minutes? Just shy of 18 minutes. 1752. 1752. Um, So it's an extreme version of it, but it's also a brilliant version of it because each part of the song is outstanding in its composition and the way that it's played. I think the the live version is is my favourite. Um, I have heard the studio version, but I don't think you can you don't think you can get it on Amazon Music anymore. Um, the studio version, so it's just the live version that I've been listening to. Um, and it goes, it starts off very kind of um, soft rock, and it builds up and builds up until it's like death metal. <laughs> it's got like a bar of of complete uh, mayhem or two bars of complete mayhem and then it kind of goes back down again and the, the last part of it is really soft and um gentle and uh yeah so i thought it'd be a great one to analyze because it has so many aspects to it that's why i chose it and you have to give you have to give them credit because not only have they written an 18 minute song they've written it with the double bass pedal and they've written it with the guitar riffs like that and they've played an 18 minute song and are able to record that that's that's worthy of credit mm. certainly is yeah yeah i think it, it does take real talent to be able to not just produce three minutes but to just carry on a song for you know 18 20 minutes um i think me and ryan were we did it one time where we listened to three songs but those three songs took an hour to listen to because they were each 20-minute songs. Um, and actually, it, it provides a whole new kind of level to things. It almost takes it back to the origins of music, where you had symphonies and you had orchestras. You know, those aren't three-minute songs. You know, they the symphonies can last for hours on end. You know, the ones that Beethoven and Mozart composed, you know, they can last for an hour, an hour and a half too, just constant playing. So it, it's, it's a minimized version of that, obviously, but... It definitely brings it back to the roots, which I think is um, something that I can give credit for. 
You think Mozart was a double bass pedal enthusiast? I know Beethoven definitely was. I think Mozart invented the double bass pedal. <laughs> Do you imagine a death metal for Elise? Slap <laughs> Everyone says that uh, Beethoven looks a bit like Jimmy Page. I, I wonder if there was something going on there. Start, he has got a very conspiracy theory. He's got a very um, uh, disturbed look to him, uh, Beethoven. If you see some pictures of him, he looks very like he's got something on his mind. Don't let him hear you say that. I'm sure he won't <laughs> mind. See, that's funny because not only is he deaf, he's also dead. Yeah. Yeah, that is hilarious. I'm glad you think so, Ed. Means a lot to me. It's it's a prog song. I like prog, and I was wondering how long that would take. Yeah, as soon as as soon as I heard the start of this song, and then it carried on, and I thought the drums, the drums remind me of the playing of a man called Thomas Lang. If anyone's ever heard of Thomas Lang, I don't think I know that name now. No, he's a really talented prog drummer he's he's just the way he plays is not normal (laughs) in the sense that every part of his body seems to be on a different timing and it sounds amazing and perfect it's it's weird he's got a song called time uh, it's from his kind of newer album and it's just amazing it's probably one of the most difficult and interesting drum beats I've heard and this definitely did a lot of work on it because you've got the tom beat which I really like and then throwing the toms in whilst you're still playing like a standard bass uh, bass snare beat with the hi-hat and then you throw in the toms you got double bass lots of cymbal usage big fells what's not to love? I, I really like this song and like Ethan was saying the riffs are awesome um and what's his name who's the lead singer of Porcupine Tree? I don't know any of them. I just know the group. Uh, Stephen Wilson. Stephen Wilson. He's got a lot of good groups. But Porcupine Tree's by far the best. I think it was, but I'm not sure. Let me look it up. What, what was his name? Sorry. I Stephen Wilson. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Is it. He was Bla- in Blackfield. Blackfield. Yeah, yeah Blackfield. Storm a Corrosion and. No man. I, I said that really slowly because I was waiting for the page to load. <laughs> but yeah, I think it looks like a modern art professional. It's hard to beat this song, and actually, there's there's quite a lot of lyrics, even for mm. an eighteen minute song. Quite often, they just do big instrumental bits, and obviously they do, but they actually do have a lot of. A lot of lyrics and what i like about his singing is that what he's singing and what you think he's singing it's not always the same thing it sounds like he's sing, singing something different to what he actually is mm. it's, it's kind of a strange that. effect i didn't know any examples of that but i did i did uh, read that online but that could easily just be simulated by singing whatever you want and then telling everyone else the lyrics or something different you mean like slap not do because he could be going <laughs> And I said, hello, darling, you look lovely today. And then, then she'd go, blah, 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 blah. And goes, thank you, you don't look too bad yourself. I could be a Slipknot singer. I'd have it down. Apparently, this song is actually um, oh, the longest composition since 1995. 
I think what um, I really like about this song, um, aside from everything I've mentioned before, is the um, the, the rhythm um, just before it goes mental, uh, and then they go back to that rhythm at, at the uh, near the end. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's awesome, and it makes me want to headbang like I used to back in the day. Back in his long hair and. Uh... <laughs> when I were a lad. When I were a lad, and I had big <laughs> neck muscles. Oh, I actually have one of uh, Stephen Wilson's songs saved. Um, it's probably his really depressing one that's part of Blackfield, which was most of them actually set the scenario down. Because this song is really happy. <laughs> no, this is from his solo career, actually. And the difference between Anethanatize and this song is very different. <laughs> and yet it's the same lead singer. What's the song called, Anthony? It's called 12 Things I Forgot. No, I mean, what, what, what was this song This song we're reviewing this evening called? Anethanatize. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't look it up. I enjoyed the way you said it before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anethanatize. <laughs> Did I say anethanatize before? I don't know what you said, but it sounded the light. <laughs> it was close enough. It's a nice, it's a nice happy song, isn't it? This one. It's definitely not about a kid hating his entire life to the point he wants to kill himself. He hates the modern world, I think. It's just general, but I think all best, all the best songs are about kids hating their life and wanting to kill themselves. And in fact, you know, I prefer to listen to music like that. If I listen to happy songs, it makes me feel sad. Let's see, Nirvana. I'm missing out. <laughs> old Coldplay. Um, yeah. Green Day. Most of what um, the Gaslight Anthem or the Glasslight Anthem. Ah, Glasslight Anthem. Here's a fact for you. There's a guitar solo in this song from no. Alex <laughs> L- Lifeson of Rush. Oh, nice. Mm. To be fair, that was worth listening to. That's kind of a fact. You're welcome. <laughs> this has Rush's stamp on it. Well, we should maybe just let Anthony know the song on the day of recording more often because he seems to just come out with these snappy facts. Well, it's usually because, uh, well, there's a Wikipedia page on them, uh, so I'm able to just rap rap out facts like this. <laughs> but when there's no Wikipedia page, it tends to get a bit difficult. Yeah, th- this one reminds me of the the Dave Grohl one um, called Play. Um, there's something about the guitar riff. Obviously, the the documentary one is heavier, but it's it's not the repetitiveness, but the fact that it comes back to the same you know riff that it it just it doesn't recycle it, but it it comes back again uh, to kind of find a median point again. So it kind of it's almost like a heart rate. You know, it goes up and then down and then back to median, back up, down, back to median. You I say it's that's... like a heart. You say it's like a heart rate, but it's actually, it actually follows the theme of the song quite well with it being um, on a loop. So it does that with the lyrics as well. Mm-hmm. And that's because, well, mainly, specifically the second section, I don't know if we're going to go into it later on, but the second section, um, it refers to things being very monotonous and the same. Can't really do anything about it. So occasionally you get maybe a slight difference from the lyrics, the, the audio repeats, and it kind of simulates that. Uh, what's the word I'm after? Uh, kind okay. of rock. You get into the yeah. pathetic little rut you get. 
like well, a rerun. I see you get the press. Press. Yeah, and I think um, that was definitely about where I say in that. I mean, we can we can go we can go through it kind of part by part. Um, Ed, do you know do you know anything about the lyrics? Um, yeah, I I did look at what the what they meant or what people thought that they meant. Um, to be honest, I'm not. The lyrics aren't the thing that really um, kind of grabbed me. Um, I do I do like them, especially the the final part of it about the waves breaking uh, on the shore and things like that. Um, I really like that, but uh, the rest of it. <clears throat> it's more the music that, and, and the drumming and the, the rhythm guitar that really intrigued me. This song reminds me a lot of early Coldplay, kind of like not, not oh, back when Chris not, Martin was a heavy not, metal not musically, oh, yes, <laughs> but lyrically. Imagine um, Viva la Vida or no, no, no. Er- earlier Coldplay, like what Fix You and the Parachutes album. Yeah, like yellow and the scientist. Um, you yeah, imagine the, the scientist with a heavy metal breath. There you go, Ed. There's your assignment. Double bass pedal right, on don't... the scientist. I like it. Don't mess. Don't mess oh, around. Yellow, with yellow with a guitar solo. How about that? <laughs> scientist that is one of my top five songs of all time. I would agree. Update from last week, guys. Update from last week. So, so the song that I mentioned by Harry Styles. Basically, Ethan sent a message to our group chat the other night saying, actually, this song isn't too bad. I and I was like... my playlist because it is Harry Styles. <laughs> but... My playlist. However, but, I listened to it and I thought, this actually sounds more like Mumford and Sons than One Direction. And so, touche, he's done something good. But I still don't like he it. He hasn't. It wasn't written by him. <laughs> what was but he still performed it. <laughs> what was the song? Um, it was one called Golden by Harry Styles. And it still um, has far too much of a pop vibe to add pretty players. Yeah, so yeah, it's still, it's an indie pop song. Um, I wouldn't say that it was by far not pop. Um, it definitely still has those spiny little fingers wrapped around it. But ultimately, you know, it's still a, a half decent song. That's quite uh, a good way to describe pop. <laughs> Something spiny calling out fingers. of the grave. Go back where you came from. <laughs> Yeah, it's just his hand that thrusts up with his skeleton hand, just grabs a hold of an artist. It's like you will make pop music. music (laughs) How did (laughs) how did you get onto that? Because of the gesture, it was just what. (laughs) If I had put my finger up and smacked a glove, maybe. Correct, (laughs) like what it feels like every time I listen to Harry Styles. Or just the charts, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest. Well, the charts feel like a sucker punch to the face these days. <laughs> I didn't think it was that pleasant. Anyway, back to this song. Back to Anesthetize by Porcupine Tree. Um, Did anyone Laura... else think there was a bit of a pink Floyd vibe from this song? I just, just hearing Brian say the name of it again. So, who knows comfortably numb by Pink Floyd? And that, the story behind that. I know the song, but I, I don't know the story behind it. Right. I ha- I'm the... not at the grey hair kind of getting old stage where I listen to Pink Floyd very regularly. I'm not going to take that personally. Um, you should. But... <laughs> I'm still not going to take it personally. But Comfortably Numb was... Um, 
co-written by the bassist who had to take tranquilizers before a concert for stomach cramps. And he did the whole concert just really kind of spaced out. Oh boy, <laughs> this, this is fun. That's um, what bassists do, whether yeah. or not they're on tranquilizers. <laughs> they're kind of but just spaced it, but... out and just playing. It's like, oh, he was... we're done. Cool. He describes his whole experience as being a bit like, he was like conscious of what he was doing, which I suppose is unique for a bassist. kind of... <laughs> Where it's like, like his hands felt numb and it felt like a really good kind of weird experience, and that's where the phrase "completely numb" came from. But the whole song, the song, the whole song is done to sort of make you feel that psychedelic rock. And this song, in its own way, does the same thing. So it's called an anesthetize. Could be taking on anesthetics, which make you numb. It gives that kind of sort of spaced out feel for a lot of the time through it. Just a small side point. I thought was really quite cool. But yes, right. Go on. Well, <laughs> I, I, I was I was actually going to say, Ed, didn't you write a song? I remember there being lines in it to do with seeing the waves. Uh, land oh, I strictly yeah. recall it being like some of your favourite lyrics you'd ever written. Land, air, and sea is the one you're talking about. Yeah, is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Is that on one of secrecy? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on the first album. There you go, plug. <laughs> uh, one of secrecy is on um, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first album's on there, and um, slowly uploading the second album. But yeah, um, anesthetized by Porcupine Tree. The first verse is well, the first part. Sorry, not the first verse. First part is depressing. It's like old Coldplay, like I probably said about 20 minutes ago. Um, it is, it's quite depressing. It's kind of, you don't really want to live in the world and you're just kind of there. You don't really exist. Um, and there was one particular commenter who wrote something that I, I found kind of amusing. Um and it does quote some of the song, but not directly in the sense of that he basically tells himself to stop by saying, shut up, be happy, stop whining, please. Um, I don't think that works. If it does, you can tell me. don't think it does, but carry on. Um, the second part is equally depressing. It's quite empty, not as in musically. Musically, it's very... It's it's not empty, but it has the empty feel, while Which still being yeah, yeah, while still being it was that like repetitive rut kind yeah of what you mentioned earlier yeah, yeah. and that kind of that kind of nine to five you just go to your work do your job come home you can't really say nine to five anymore. Dolly Parton made that sound a lot more enjoyable than it ever is yeah, and rolling it's eight, out of bed and stumbling to the kitchen. Pouring yourself a cup of ambition. It's eight to five now as well. Um, talking about comments on the song, Ryan, I've just found one that says, an amassing song. I've heard many people comment that it was too long. You suck in cap- capital letters. The song is amassing. It's three different parts of the same story, seamlessly joined in beautiful harmony. I just, amassing. It's just amassing. Someone else is on uh, 
<laughs> tranquilizers as well, like the sandals. <laughs> what, anaesthetic? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. He's um, gone at the dentist. Second part, pretty kind of just like kind of this boring feel. Your mind can just be switched off. You're just kind mm-hmm. of coasting. I think it's the correct word to use. Just coasting. Which is a very nice life. word because it brings us into the next bit quite It slowly. does. And you're kind of just coasting through the ocean and then you get this look at the sea at the way, sea and the waves and the music just gets awesome at this bit. It, it just kicks off. Um, Symbolise the mental noise that comes with wanting to... Yeah. That's exactly what I was just about to say. You know, this the song has... It relates back to... I've just read up on the song, basically, so I now know everything. <laughs> but um, it relates back to the, the title of the song, Anesthetise, because it, it's more talking about the, the far-end scale of mental health problems, you know, with things like um, anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar you know, those things do have to be anesthetized. And with the changes in the style of music show the differences in the kind of um, mental states almost, you know, you can have calm times, but then you have times when everything's so fuzzy in your head and it's just, everything is like buzzing around and you can't focus on anything. And it's just that constant buzzing in your head, but then it always comes back around to the the calm time again. Um, And, you know, the lyrics, I'm just going to quote directly here because I haven't had enough time to put it in my own words. But... Don't do the gun one, don't do the gun one. <laughs> uh, no. Um, uh, well, this person um, thinks that, um, you know, the different uh, things in the lyrics relate to different types of um, anaesthetic or different ways of dealing with things. Um, so... Calpol. Yeah, to put it lightly. The lady but... from Cal Paul are the two biggest solutions to every man's problem. Don't get them mixed up. One of them's for everything else, one of them's for you. They don't work so well if you flip that. But... Oh, I've just seen the gun one. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't read that one. <laughs> Let's try and keep this slightly happier than that. But yeah, part, yeah. part three, you kind of have this space in your head to dream on, but... Um... Dream until your dreams come true. Exactly. Um, Dream out. That's being. That was actually surprisingly good. That was actually quite. It was quite close. I've I've rehearsed this a lot. So many so much car carrier. And then kind of towards the end, he seems to. I mean, depends how you look at the end, because the end can be taken in two ways. Not if you read his um, story behind it. Well, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to take the end as the optimistic way. Yeah, that wasn't the way he went with. I didn't think so, but the optimistic way is that he he seems to fall in love with Lassie, and I think everything goes well. Everyone's happy. It's like the alternate ending to the Three Little Pigs, where they all gather in the break house at the end, and the wolf can't get them, and not that he's devoured the other one's friends. Ryan was the one who had the everyone survives in the break house at the end story. Yeah. That's not that's not how he says it ends at all. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be optimistic, then um, he, he finds the love of his life and that's that. Um, they live happily ever after. They ride off into the black hole sun and everything's good. Ethan, do you want to explain the actual ending? 
If I'd just a... like to make a counterpoint to you, Ryan. Um, the part three is actually set in the past tense. Is it? Um, yeah, it says... Um, no, it's set in the present tense. Thank you. This is the two part. This is the two ideas. One's optimistic, happy, happy, and the other one, Ethan's going to explain. Um, and if you're not into sensitive content, or um, basically get the tissues, or skip. Go. Oh, no, no, yeah. sorry, it is in past tense. I was reading the wrong part of this comment. It, yeah, the third part is set in past tense. I was counting. I could see you. I followed. Yes, Anthony is right. Uh, because at this point, the character in the song has colors. That's ultimately what it comes to. So the gun line that we talked about earlier, I apologize for, again, all the sensitivity if you haven't find it here. Um, after going all on the apathy from all the pills in me, he gets to where is it? it should be here. So pause when I look at the words. There we go. Um, what is the point? What can money buy? My hands on a gun and I find the range. God tempts me. What did you say? Think I'm passing out? Don't use your imagination too much. You shouldn't have to. But ultimately, this is not a very happy song. So we just leave it at that. Um, it's all about so I, I the version of this I saw said that uh, the uh, the stop whining bit wasn't him talking to himself someone else telling him to stop whining and it, the person writing on it made the comment it was the child complaining because I'm sorry the parents complaining because the child keeps saying he has difficulties and they're saying oh you have life so much easier than we do and it scarred the boy and he thinks he's worthless and I don't know if that relates to the songwriter in any way, but that's, I don't know if that is the theme. That's just one comment I read on it because I couldn't find anything about the earlier half. I only saw how the song ended um, by the writer. So that isn't from the writer's mouth, but it does seem very much like either this character he's talking about or at some point himself has been scarred by that message and has gone on to a rather sad ending through the song. And because the whole song is about, no, sorry, the song, the song is from an album. The album's all about uh, a child that can't cope with how the world is today. It kind of does follow suit. It's not very easy to talk about a topic like this on a Spanish podcast where we have such a happy, jolly intro song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not the cheeriest song. Um... Hello, my name is Ryan McCarthy. Welcome to the podcast. We're talking about sad doesn't doesn't flow very well, does it? No, it doesn't. Well, I didn't know that, so... Sorry, Ed, I've just completely uh, ruined the song for you, haven't I? No, it's even better now. Oh, excellent, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does kind of sound like the Hindenburg, doesn't it? Although I guess you could say... You could always say... Next bonfire, Ed, is ever a of the Jimmy Giant. Ed, Ed was that one guy with the marshmallows on his sticks. This is excellent! <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could always review Blaze of Glory and then say it does come down like the Hindenburg, doesn't it? You cannot say that. <laughs> no, there are you can't. Jokes. There are better <laughs> Hindenburg jokes. Ryan has made. And Ryan knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I'd like to request first that you send me the spreadsheet of all the scores. So that I can place my score accurately. Where does it, 
Where does it rate in relation to Romeo and Juliet by Bear Street? <laughs> no, can you send me the thingy um, so I can actually accurately place the score? I'll share the screen. Why can't you send me the link to the document? <laughs> because it's not on OneDrive. It's just in my like folders, so we'll okay. share screen. Oh, um, Ryan skillfully avoided putting his final score on it. I don't put mine on. Like, I haven't even decided mine yet. No, but no, anyway. I, I forgot this was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> While we wait for Anthony to come up with the score, Ed, if you were to review the song Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> you know this song, don't you? I do. What would you give that out of 100? Um, I'd probably give it um, 80, 85, something like that. What would you give, say, a song based on public service broadcasts from the late 2000s? Um, I have heard them. Uh, I've heard them, and they're okay. Um, they're not really my cup of tea, to be honest. So, um, so, how, so how would it rank in comparison to, say... I don't know, I'll pull it with butterfly wings. It wouldn't rank <laughs> in compared to that. See, I believe... Um... But, you know, this is my personal taste. Yeah. So, Which is why I make you first. Yeah, I know. It means that I can't change my score. Yes. <laughs> okay, I think I've come up with a score. So, you know, this song, I think, is, you know, really good. I mean, I heard it for the first time. Uh, at the beginning of this podcast um, and I do agree with the points that Ed made at the beginning you know it is a really good song and it, the way that it comes back to everything is um, really good and I mean dare I say it but I have a soft spot for long songs so you could have fully predicted that at this point Anthony I'll be honest with you I've just got a soft spot for music in general really you're just soft yeah I think anyone who listens to the podcast has come to that conclusion that, you know, I have a soft spot and I'm quite soft in general. <laughs> but I think, you know, this song is very good. Um, I wouldn't say it was a Romeo and Juliet, um, but I wouldn't say that it was... Pick a name, any name. I'm trying to find one. I wouldn't say that it was a, um, a monster by Styx. Um, I think you know it ranks somewhere in between there, so I would say that this is going to get a 65 from me. Ethan, what would you give this song? I really don't know. <laughs> with a song like this, well, you've had enough time to think. I know, I've had, I'm still trying to think. You're getting on at me for not giving an answer. <laughs> well, no, I'm not getting on you for last week's uh, episode. That's Whilst I'm trying to come up with an answer. Well, I'm definitely sticking in the 80 to 90 category, because I absolutely love this song. I've not left myself enough room between... Um... <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I forgot about this conundrum you've put yourself in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm running out of numbers. He's running... <laughs> Can you do half numbers? No, we're not doing decibels. So... 89.637. For those uh, of you who don't realise what's happened, is that Ethan gave Light My Love by Greta Van Fleet an 88, which is a very high score. Then he gave Say You'll Haunt Me by Stone Sour a 90, 
and then realised that Bullet with Butterfly Wings was kind of in between them, but I ended up only having one number to give it, which was 89. <laughs> and now he's put himself in a really bad place, because he's not spaced out his scores enough and can't decide what this is going to get. So is this as good as Bullet with Butterfly Wings? No. I, well, not for me personally. Uh, is it as good as? Day. Is it as good as Light My Love? Yes, well, that's <laughs> where the problem comes. <laughs> so what I'm really looking for is here is kind of like an eighty and a half, <laughs> but eighty-eight and three quarters. Um, tell you what, I'll, I'll sort of mess around with the scores and I'll give it a tied eighty-eight because we can't have eighty-eight and a half. Ed. What would you like to give this song? Um, I think that this is very hard to beat when it comes to a prog rock song that has everything. The only thing it might be missing is a searing uh, guitar solo that lasts for 10 minutes as well, Um, which is what I would have done. I would have thrown one of those in. No problem. Uh... (laughs) I'm I, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it the same as what I gave Silent Lucidity. I'm gonna give it eighty five. You gave Silent Lucidity Oh yeah, you did give it eighty five, so I was looking the wrong score. Can I um interject here? Oh no. Uh, um, yes. Basically what's happened here is that I didn't get to listen to the song much before the podcast, so I haven't really got our relationship with this song yet. And now that I'm listening to it in between these breaks, I feel that it deserves more than a 65. <laughs> um, so I would like to make a, a small adjustment to my score. And I'd I like to say... 67. <laughs> no, I'd like to say that it was as good as Romeo and Juliet. So I will give it a 75. And also as good as... What was the other one you gave 75? Signal 30. Signal 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the same wavelength as Signal 30, I would say. In That's that funny it's because it's public serving broadcasting, which is on radio, which is wavelength. Sorry, I felt the need to make that connection. I'll shut up. You're welcome. You see, I'm making these connections without even knowing it. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this song an 85 as well because I I really like it. But yeah, me giving that an 87 puts this song to number one once again. We have a new number one. Ed is now reigning champion again. Once again. <laughs> he previously was with Queensryche, with Silent Lucidity, and once again you're back on top with Anesthetize by Porcupine Tree. It goes to the top with an 83.75 average score, ahead of Like My Love by Greta Van Fleet, which had an 80.33. That's a fair old leap off, isn't it? It is. Hmm. It's quite a big. It is. It's quite a big leap. Interestingly, Ryan. Yeah. What is the average? What is the average if you stuck with uh, Anthony's first choice of sixty-five? We stuck with sixty-five. It still wins. <laughs> yeah, it would <laughs> still be on top. <laughs> By less, but still on top. Okay. Excellent. So that's on top. So, Anthony, it's your choice of song next week. I'm guessing you've not chosen one. It's time for me to try and claim the top spot with a song. Okay. So I'm probably going to go for a big hard hitter. 
Never gonna give you up. Foo <laughs> Fighters um, cover is actually quite good. Foo Fighters cover of that song's good. I think I'm gonna go for a big one here. Okay, we're going for a Boys, big one. This is a I big swear one. If you say Harry Styles. No, no. <laughs> it's his twin brother, actually. Um, oh. My song for next week is We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Eh. <laughs> well, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Billy Joel songs that I could choose, um, but I think this is the one that will appeal to you two the most. No, if no, you'd you... be wrong, but good job. Right, well, you two, stop whining, please. As you can tell by Ethan's very exciting reaction, we're doing We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel next week. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Thank you, Ed, for joining us this week and putting a better song than Like My Love on the top spot and removing that atrocity from the top spot. I will kill you. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram or drop us an email at the email address that's in the um that thing, the description. Which you can't remember. <laughs> no, I can never remember the email. I've just accepted <laughs> it now. It's in the podcast description as is our Instagram. Be sure to follow us or email us or comment on whatever posts you like and we will you will hear us next week. We will I dunno. We will you will he will she will. We will be speaking at you next week. Um, until then, in your ear receptacles. Until then, don't leave your bags. Don't breathe here. The curse there must be more of. Ciao.